Okay, we'll talk tonight about the holiday of Lagwa Omer. Lagwa Omer <coughs> is the 33rd day of the Omer. The halachic significance of the day of Lagwa Omer is that it's the only day during the Omer period, which is the period between Pesach and Shavuos, that is, according to all opinions, not a day of mourning. In other words, there are multiple opinions that over the course of the of the Omer uh, uh, transition period from... Oh, we just started. We gave up on you a half a minute ago. Sorry. <laughs> um, a transition period between Pesach and Shavuos that according to... Uh, the, there's a certain amount of... certain time period during that that is considered morning, a morning period according to everybody. Lagwa Omer is different. Lagwa Omer is not a, not a day of morning. In addition to that... Lagwa Omer is, uh, is the yard site. It is the commemoration of the day on which Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, the author of the uh, deeper wisdom, the mystical wisdom of the Torah, uh, passed away on that day. What, what's unusual about it is that we, we treat it as a celebration of that day. And for the most part, that's not a very, certainly in non-Hasidic communities, that's not a. That's not something that's usually done. That we celebrate the passing of something. We commemorate with a fast. People do extra Torah study. They do extra learning. But but what celebrations? That's a, that's something that's unusual. <clears throat> and there's a lot of Torah that goes into into the Rosh Hashanah and the lighting of flame and 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 flame and etc. But we're, we're, I want to focus specifically on Lagba Omer as it relates to the Omer and as it relates to this morning period between. Uh, Pesach and Shavuos. So, the reason for the morning period between Pesach and Shavuos, as I'm sure everybody knows, is all the, the students of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, the greatest, one of the probably considered the greatest Talmudic sage of the Mishnahic period, uh, all of his students, all 24,000 less five, um, died during this, in the, in the interim period. And there's not a lot written in the Gemara and the Talmud about it, except the Chazal tells the reason that they died is al nohagu kavod that they didn't give kavod, they didn't behave in a manner of kavod to one another. So when you try to understand it, what does it mean al nohagu kavod What does it mean that they didn't give honor to one another? It doesn't say that they were mavaza one another. It doesn't say that they made fun of one another. It doesn't say they didn't get along, that they fought with each other. It says they didn't give each other kavod. So... We have to understand what that concept of covet is. <clears throat> there is a fascinating uh, uh, idea mentioned by Darizal. Darizal is Rabitza Gloria, is a uh, 16th century scholar who lived in Tzfat in Israel, the leader, if you will, of the of the of those that. The way we study Kabbalah today, the way we study the Zohar today, and the, the, the mystical wisdom today, is all through the teachings of the Arizal. And the truth of the matter is, it's, it's fascinating that we do study it through the Arizal because he himself didn't write anything down. He taught it all to his student, student Reb Chaim Vital. And Reb Chaim Vital, in the course of a very, very short time, if I remember correctly, it was only 11 months that they were together. And Reb Chaim Vital produced this massive work called Eitz Chaim, and in the Sefer Eitz Chaim, all of all of the all of the Arizal's wisdom is revealed, and it's essentially an approach to being able to understand the mystical wisdom of the Zohar and the deeper the deeper those deeper sources are all come to us down through the Arizal. The Arizal makes the following comment: He says that the twenty four thousand students of Rabbi Kiva 
where a this is, he says in, in a sefer that the the Chaim calls Shar HaGilgulim, which refers to the uh, the concept of uh, of of people that um, reincarn are reincarnated. He says the twenty four thousand students of Rabbi Kiva are the reincarnation of a different twenty four thousand people. Who are those twenty four thousand people? They are the tribe of Shimon. The people of the time of tribe of Shimon who died in a plague during the time of uh, during the t- during Moshe Rabbeinu's lifetime, at the time that Pinchas killed um, the Cosby Cosby Basur and, and Zimri. Um, uh, um, so, Zim, what w- what was the incident? The incident was as follows. <clears throat> the Talmud says that Zimri, who was the prince, the Nasi of Shevet Shimon, of, of the tribe of Shimon, approached Moshe Rabbeinu with the following halachic conundrum. He had with him in tow the princess of Moab. His name was Cosby. And he said, what's the halacha? Am I allowed to marry this woman? <clears throat> and if you tell me that I'm not allowed to marry her, who allowed you to marry your wife Tzipporah? Because as you know, Tzipporah was the daughter of Yisro, came from a foreign nation as well. And basically, how Moshe Rabbeinu was allowed to marry her, why should you be allowed to marry her, and I'm not allowed to marry this princess, why, is, why are you any better than I am? That's essentially what Zimri approached, uh, approached Moshe Rabbeinu with. When Moshe Rabbeinu did not answer, which we'll talk about why Moshe, why Moshe Rabbeinu did not answer, Zimri proceeded to take Cosby and to, uh, and to have relations with her in a way that was inappropriate, and nobody knew what to do about it. Until Pinchas came forward and he said, to ask Moshe Rabbeinu, didn't you, Moshe, our teacher, tell us that a somebody who is um, somebody who somebody who has relations with a non-Jewish woman, the halacha is kanaim pogimbo zealots are allowed to kill him. So that means this man's chayimisa. Moshe Rabbeinu's response, famous response, is uh, um, uh, he told him the one who has given the message. Should carry it out," he said to him. Uh, "It's you lehave parvanke." I forget the first words of the Maimar Chazal, but the words are, "You should be the one that carries it out." Which Pinchas promptly went and did. He went into the tent where Zimri was, together with Cosby Basur. He took a spear and he drove it at great. We'll see at great personal risk to himself. Drove the spear right through both of them and then paraded them around the camp in order to prov- to stop the plague that had broken out amongst the Jewish people at that time for their transgressions with the daughters of Moab, with the, with the Benos Moab, with the daughters of Moab, which was Bilam's big plan of how to cause the Jews mm-hmm. to stumble. Um, the, the, the expression of Moshe Rabbeinu was, told Pinchas, was, de Igrasa, the reader of the letter, he should be the one that carries it out. He should be the messenger that comes. Kraina de Igrasa, the, the, the reader of the letter, should be the one that carries it out. So he, basically, Moshe Rabbeinu seems, it seems that for whatever reason, Moshe Rabbeinu forgot this halacha. Pinchas reminded Moshe Rabbeinu of that halacha. And when Pinchas reminded him, Moshe Rabbeinu told Pinchas that he's the one that has to carry it out. In order to do that, he had to break through the ranks of all of Shevet Shimon that were protecting they were protecting their prince, they were protecting uh, Zimri, and he had to kill him. In the interim, a plague had broken out amongst the Jewish people, and 24,000, it seems from some places and sources in Kazal, seem to say 24,000 of these B'nai Shimon died, and these Talmidim of Rebbe Kiva were the reincarnation of those 24,000 Talmidim at the time of, she- of, uh, of Pinchas and Moshe Rabbeinu, and they too 
died because they were they didn't bring out the covered in one another. So what's the very interesting Arizal, very interesting comment, but what's the con- just because it's 24,000 and 24,000 doesn't necessarily make a connection. What, what's the connection between the 24,000 excuse me, the 24,000 of Shevet Shimon and the 24,000 of Rabbi Kiva's Talmidim? And why is it that the Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva died for, according to some in it's from the first day of the Omer until the 32nd day of the Omer, according to other opinions, it's, it's, it's the, the days are distributed a different way, but essentially it comes out that the days on which the Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva died was a, to- a total of 32 days. What's the significance of 32 days? And, uh, and uh, uh, wh- why would they die there? So there's a fascinating uh, idea that the Sviras HaOmer is divided into two parts. Those two parts it, are described in the words Lev Tov, 32. The gematria, the numerical value of the word, of the number 32, is Lamed Beis. Lamed Beis spells Lev. Lev means the heart. Lev Tov and good means is, is a, the gematria, the numerical value of the, number, of the word Tov is 17. 32 and 17, that's your 49 days of your Sri Omer. The, the mission of Sri Omer is to build the Lev Tov, to build a Lev Tov. What is Lev? What is the significance of the word Lev? Lev is, for those of you that are already way ahead of me, Kavod plus 10. Kavod, right, is Kavod is Chaf Beis, right? Kavod is 32. Kavod and Lev are the same thing. Kavod is the building of the lave is the building of kavod. Kavod is the gematria, the numerical value of the word kavod is 32. Chaf base is 22, plus a vav, which is 4, is 6, excuse me, plus a dalad, which is 4. So it's 30, 22 and 10, is 32. So the lave is made up of kavod. What is, what is kavod? What does kavod stand for? What is, the, what is the essence of kavod? How are we to understand this concept of kavod and how does it relate to the Talmud of Kiva and how they behave with one another? That's part of this puzzle that we have to put together. So, <clears throat> we spoke, for those of you, the ladies that were with me on Shabbos the other week, we spoke about today, the concept of Sfiris Omer is the concept of putting together numbers or letters, putting together the letters of the alphabet, putting things together to create one whole. So how many letters are there in the alph- alphabet? 22. That's Chav Beis. The Chav Beis of, of Kavod is, Chav Beis is the 22 letters of the alphabet. The 10 is the 10 manifestations of how Hashem manifests in the Bria, which is what we call, we call the Sfiros. So the 10, the 22 letters which Hashem used to create the world, to form the physical, the, the, this, this physical world, plus the 10 manifestations or iterations of how Hashem manifests into the physical world or connects with the physical world is the building of life. That means the building blocks of this world, the building blocks of, our spir- of the spiritual dimension or the connection to the spiritual dimension is R32. Lave means to bring out the inner dim- the inner aspect or the or the entirety of the dimension of all of Torah of the f- connection between the physical and the spiritual world, the proper combination of the twenty two letters through the ten the ten manifestations of how Hashem manifests in the Bria, that can that calculates to the thirty two days, which is the Avoda, which is the work of the thirty two days of formation of Svira leading up to uh, leading up to Lagba Omer, leading, leading up to that day. And Lagba Omer is the day that in which the lave is now completed, 
Meaning, what that means is, is that the lave, as long as the lave is in formation, as long as we're still forming that reality, just as a child or a fetus in formation is at its highest point of risk, so too in the days of sphere that are where we are, uh, so to speak, uh, at risk or in a, a phase where we have to deal with the danger of things going wrong and not being formed properly is in the first 32 days. When you get to the 33rd day, you've passed that dimension. Now you simply have to build the tov, the expression of tov, that it should express itself in a manner which is tov, but the, but the, but the foundation, the lave, is already built. So the time of sakana, the time of danger, is those 32 days. So somehow, the Talmudim of Rabbi Kiva, there is a failure in, their, in what they are in terms of the dimension of of kavod, of this concept of kavod, which means they they failed in the building of the concept of lave, and therefore they died. That's, and that's really what we see what is a manifestation of their deaths. That's that's what they. But we still don't understand what kavod, why kavod affects them that they should die, and how that kavod connects them with shevet levi, the the, the the people of levi, the twenty four thousand people from shevet levi at the earlier in history. And why specifically the Talmud of Rabbi Shevet Shimon? Excuse me, Shevet Shimon. Shevet Shimon from 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 earlier in history. And and why why specifically the Talmud of Rabbi Kiva? Why 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 students of Rabbi Kiva? What, what's the what, what's the what, what's the idea here? <clears throat> so the concept of kavod, kavod, the word kavod, what it means, the word kavod means means honor, it means a person's honor, it means a person's a, a person's. A, when we talk about a person's honor, we we're not talking about um, uh, extra titles or, or somehow something that's artificial. Rather, what a person's honor means his inner, the inner essence of what that person is. Like, uh, the expression goes in Hebrew is, is mashlom kvodo. If you want to talk to somebody in a respectful manner, you say, what is, what, how are you, how are you feeling mashlom kvodo? How is your, how is your inside? How, how, do, how can I relate to what's inside of you? How can I re- relate to the inner essence of what you are? Rabbi Kiva Salmidim it's interesting, the expression that the Gemara uses when it says that all 24,000 of Rabbi Kiva's Talmidim died during this time, this time period, it doesn't say that 24,000 Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva died. It says 12,000 pairs. 12,000 pairs of Talmidim died. It means that each one had, has a job. They have, they have, a, they have a, a role or a goal to bring out the kavod of somebody else, to bring out the inner dimension, to allow somebody else's reality to express itself outwardly in a way that doesn't destroy what's inward because there's there's a there's a conundrum here that we're dealing with is if you're bringing out a person's kavod you bring out a person's lave think about it this way if you if you take a person's lave out then he won't he can't function anymore that's not that's not helpful you want to be able to get his lave to express itself without removing it what that means is, is that you have to learn to get some the to get to the essence of somebody else so that they can express outwardly a piece of what they are inwardly that the inner dimension of who they are or of what they are remains with intact without being exposed simply by what you expose outside is that you expose that there's even more inside that there's more to come that there's another level beyond that i think we use it in a muscle that we said a few weeks ago, if, uh, come, uh, we were together recently, we spoke about that concept of climbing a mountain. When you get to the top of that mountain, all of a sudden you can see that there's another mountain on top of that. And when you get to the top of that, you can see there's more, there's higher and higher peaks that you can't see from down below. The expression of kavod is to, is to be able to connect to 
the dimension of a person that allows you to rise to the peaks so you can see that there's, an, there's even greater depth that's beyond that. Being able to uh, access the covet of one another doesn't mean that they weren't respectful to each other. It doesn't mean that they denigrated one another. It doesn't mean what it means is they didn't bring out the expression of the fullness of who they were so that outwardly there could be a piece of what's expressed so that you would understand that inwardly there's even more to be learned from what there is. Because if you express something that's supposed to be on the inside, outwardly it dies. The only way to express something that's inward on the outside is to, exp- is, to, is to bring out a piece of that so that it exposes a greater depth of one's inside. In other words, it exposes a greater inner depth than what was already, than what you perceive right now. So th- in order to truly know a person, in order to truly get to, to understand somebody, you have to be able to perceive that there is some inner depth to them that's worthwhile knowing them now. So I have to bring out the aspect of the, to the outside, their outer expression, their cover, the outer expression of this reality, so that I can see that there's more to them that I can do. And this is the area in which the Talmud of Akiva failed. Why was this area in the Talmud of Akiva specifically now, why is, and why is, why is it specifically the Talmud of Akiva, and how does that connect to the, to, to the, to the Shevet Shimon? So let's go back in history to Shevet Shimon for a moment. Who is Shevet Shimon? What is, the, what is unique about Shevet Shimon? What are, what are they the expression of that we're, that we're trying to connect to, that there's, that there's some dimension to that we're, that we're trying to connect, connect with? So <coughs> Shevet Shimon, Chazal tell us, are the Shevet which is, manifests or teaches all of Torah Shabbat. The inner wisdom of Torah, the out, not that which is not which explicitly expressed, but that which can only be understood through Shmi'ah, through hearing, right? Which is which we'll talk about in a moment. Shmi'ah is about when you hear something, you hear it inwardly, and you construct it yourself, and then you bring that out, that whole thought out from something that somebody else shares with you. Shevet Shimon is the Shevet that expresses uh, Torah Sheva Alpeh. Shevet Ruvain, Ruvain, Ruu, right? See, Ma Bain, Ma Bain, Ben Ben Chami. We'll see the difference between myself. Ruvain is the Shevet of Shevet of Torah Shabbal Shebiksab, of the written Torah. The written Torah is what you see, is what you get. You, you see the whole thing in front of you. You're able to grasp the whole thing as a whole. You're, ex, you're externally, what you see is what you're, st- what, you're, what you're left with. And there's no internal work that's being done with, uh, the, on top of that, right? That's the, that's the, 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 the experience of seeing something is to grasp the whole thing is to be able to 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 have a, a a fundamental understanding of the of the entirety of what it is in one shot. When I see something, I see the whole picture. I don't see little pieces of it. I see the whole thing. That's that. There is a certain dimension of awareness that comes with seeing that's even higher than the level of what what one does when one's hearing. When what does when one, when it comes to hearing, as we've spoken about many times, it's about taking multiple different sounds that are said, not all, not one on top of another, but one after the other, and reconstructing those ideas in your own mind and bringing them out from within yourself. Re'iyah is about seeing something that's outside of myself. When a person has a deeply spiritual experience, it is, it is, a con- it is, a, it is an experience of re'iyah, it's an experience of seeing. It's an experience of transcending to beyond my, uh, myself. That's why it says that, that for instance, at Matzantara... I'll tell, you, I'll tell you in a second. You'll hear, you'll hear this clearly in a second. Ria is about seeing the whole thing. It's about picturing. When they stood at Matsantara, it says that they saw the kolos. They saw the sounds. 
They experienced the sounds in their fullness without any input from themselves. It was simply, it was the reality as it was. They saw Hashem, they saw the oneness of the world. Their neshamas totally left their bodies to cleave with Hashem. Reality became completely merged with that so that they died and and experienced that outside of their bodies. It's not inside of myself, it's completely outside of myself. That's re'iyah. Re'iyah is to see the whole, all of what there is. Shmia is about is Shmia hearing is about taking what there is and reinterpreting it within myself. It's the process by which we build to getting to the point of Riyah. Shmia builds up to Riyah. When a person wants to wants to tell someone that they that they understand a concept fully, what do you say? I see what you're saying. Right? They, but I hear what you're saying is that I'm understanding what you're saying and I'm thinking about what you're telling me. When I say I hear, I hear you. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm not experiencing it fully. That's why. That's why. For instance, when we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, we want to talk about Hashem's unity, but we can't experience unity in that to, the, to that degree because we see ourselves. We have talked about this idea that we we experience ourselves in a in a world where there's more than one. We see ourselves as on for whatever reason, but there's a limitation that we have that we see ourselves as outside of Hashem. We don't see ourselves as an extension or or as one with Hashem. That's what that's what ultimately that's what it says. Ultimately, the revelation will be that Hashem that everything is just an expression of Hashem's reality. But we don't see it that way right now. Right now, what we see is our connection to the Rebbeinu Shalom only in, in as much as I relate to Hashem. So we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. This concept of Achdos, of Yichud Hashem, of the oneness of God, the unity of God, is, is, is something that you have to be Shema. You have to hear it. Why don't we say Ru Yisrael, come and see that Hashem is one? Because we can't see it because it's not real to us. It's something that we build in our minds. It's something that we build within us. Shmia always happens inside of myself. Shmia always happens when I when I, when we talk right when we when we talk sounds come to you in little little bites. Your brain then puts all of those back together into the into the entire sentences or takes a you know, to be more anatomically precise, right? So essentially, we create I create uh, 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 disturbances in the air between me and you that we call waves. Those waves uh, vibrate against your ear, the eardrum and the hammer and whatever the other bones in the ear are called, right? And then your your brain is able to take those little vibrations and turn them back into sounds and turn those sounds into words, words to sentences, sentences to full ideas, but it's all happening inside of you. It's not something that happens external to you. Shevet Shimon were the ones that were, had to give over the Torah Shemal the inner Torah, the Torah which is not written, the Torah which is given orally, the Torah which is given as a, as a point of reference for people to learn from. Shevet Shimon are the ones that, are, that it's in, in, they are tasked with giving over Torah Shemal Peh. They, they are Shimon. Shimon is, Kishama Hashem. Hashem heard, Hashem heard my suffering, Leah said. Shimon is, the, uh, they, their special relationship is to the area of Shmiah, to the area of building the reality from the inner dimension, from, from the dimension of, of Torah Shemal Peh, of the, of the oral wisdom, of that which has to be given over from teacher to student. It's not something that can be that can be shown to you on a scroll and you can simply read it. You have to have a Masorah for it. You have to have a tradition for it. You have to have a connection to a to a living teacher. And that, that teacher has to give it over to you so that you can understand it. You have to build from the shattered reality. You have to build the whole pieces. You have to build it. You have to put it all back together. The reality is, is that it says that when, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Harsinai, when he came with the first luchos that Hashem gave him, that it were carved by Hashem, all of Torah Shabbat was carved in 
into the first luchos as well. Not only Torah Shabbat, but even all of Torah. Not only the written law was on the on the Torah, on the on the on the luchos Rishonos, but the luchos that Hashem carved that were completely miraculous, not carved by Moshe Rabbeinu. Those luchos contained all of Torah Shabbat as well. Torah Shabbat as well, which means that it was possible at that elevated state that the Jewish people were at at that moment of Matan Torah was to see the whole Torah, the written and the oral, all of it together, would have been, they would have seen it and they would have experienced it, there would have been no shattering of that. When Moshe Rabbeinu broke that, I mean, we came down another level, we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about it at the end, when we talk about what our avoda is from here going forward in Sphere Soma, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, about picking ourselves up and moving forward when things don't go as we ex- expect. But now we're talking about building things into a reality that's supposed to be shalim, that's supposed to be complete. So Shevet Shimon, their goal, their, their mission in life is to build Torah Shabbat. When they so when when, Pin, when when Zimri comes with the question, right? What's the law with about this lady? What's the halacha? What is what is what Moshe Rabbeinu? What are you supposed to do with the halacha? There's no written law about that. That Moshe Rabbeinu taught to the Jewish people orally. That was part of Torah Shabbat. That Kanaim Pagim, that was part of that was Torah Shabbat. Whose property, whose area of expertise was that supposed to be? That's supposed to be you, Zimri, and your Shevet Shimon. And you failed in that. Pinchas had to be the one that had to be it. He had to be, he had to be the Kaina de Igrasa. He had to be the reader of the great letter of that, that said that this is what's supposed to happen. That's because that's a failure in Shevet Shimon. When Shevet, Shevet Shimon fails in their mission of what they're supposed to, what's supposed to happen with them, what happens? Plague breaks out. 24,000 people die. This, uh, this is not a good thing. So, what does all that have to do with Rabbi Akiva? So Gemara in Shabbos that says as follows: Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu asked, asked Hakadosh Baruch Hu to show him what's the future of the Torah, what's going to be with the Torah. So Hashem took him to a base of Medrash, He took him to a took him to a study hall, and he showed him a, an old man teaching to rows and rows and rows of students. And, and on every halacha, right, this this rabbi would tell for every little the the, the we know I don't know if you've ever seen inside a Sefer Torah the way the Sefer Torah is written there's like little lines that sometimes some on top of the, some of the letters they're called they're told they're called tagin or crowns they're crowns to letters on for every crown on every one of the letters this teacher had many many halachas that he was deriving simply from the crowns at the top of the letters so the Gemara says that Moshe Rabbeinu had a chalisha Moshe Rabbeinu was was chal shadaita the Talmud says it. his his mind became weak he couldn't under how could this why do you Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yerushalayim why did you give the Torah through me you should have given the Torah through him look at look at how deeply he understands the Torah that every little line every little nuance of the letter not just the whole letter the nuances of the letter teach him halachos you should have handed over the Torah through him so when you said him, you I'll tell you in a minute who him is I didn't tell you who him oh, is yet. Okay. you should have given the Torah through him so so uh, so HaKadosh Baruch says to him listen carefully to what the Talmudim are saying so Moshe Rabbeinu listens into the conversation. This is happening hundreds of years after Moshe Rabbeinu died. Hashem carried him into the future and showed him what was to be in the future. And in the in the future, the students are asking the teacher, "Where did you know this from? Where did you know that from?" And he's telling them, "I derived this from that, and this from that, and this from that." Until finally, he gets to the point. He says, "It's halacha l'Moshe misinai. This is a law that Moses taught at Sinai." Ah, now Moshe Rabbeinu was happy. Moshe Rabbeinu understands that this teacher, whatever he's teaching, and however he's attributing it to the different light, etc., but everything that he knows, he knows only from Moshe Rabbeinu. He knows only from Moshe Rabbeinu. Who is this teacher? It's Rabbi Akiva. This is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is teaching his Talmud, he's teaching them Torah, he's teaching them Torah Shabbat Peh, he's teaching them the oral law, he's teaching them how everything is derived and where it's derived from. He's the master 
the master for all future generations of Torah Shabbat is Rabbi Akiva. In fact, the Gemara says in Megillah, the beginning of Megillah, says Rabbi Akiva had five Talmidim, each different part of Torah Shabbat that we know, whether it's the, whether it's the Zohar of Rabbi Shimon Yochai, or it's the Brises, or it's the Toseftas, or it's the, the different areas of, from which Torah Shabbat is handed down to us, are all of the five Talmidim, those five Talmidim that I told you Rabbi Akiva had left afterwards, those are the five Talmidim from whom, the five students from whom all of Torah Shabbat comes out, which means we trace all of our Limurat Torah, all of the Torah learning that we have today, we trace it all back to Rabbi Akiva. Why to Rabbi Akiva? What's, what's special about Rabbi Akiva? It's, that's a fascinating discussion unto itself. We would really have to go into this more deeply, but just in a, in a nutshell, <clears throat> we find a very interesting expression. find a very interesting expression when uh, uh, Yitzchak is giving over Yitzchak is learning with his son it's, it's, the Torah is describing for us Yitzchak's appreciation for his two children Yaakov and Esau so it says that Rivka loved Yaakov he's, 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 an, he's an Ishtam Yosheh Baalim he's a peaceful person lives in the tents and Yitzchak loved Esau Kitzayid Bepiv Kitzayid Bepiv the Torah is expression here. Excuse me, Kitsayed Bafiv means because he hunted him in his mouth. That's literally what the words mean. It doesn't translate very well. Tsayed means to hunt. Tsayed means, means a hunter. Bafiv in his mouth. So some, the simple understanding of what that means is that he provided Yitzchak with venison and meat and all this type of thing. He was a hunter. Esav, as we know, was a hunter. He was an Isha Sadeh, a man of the field. He'd go out and he'd provide Yitzchak with all kinds of food. Doesn't sit so well. Yitzhak, it's got food, but what, that, that's what's important to Yitzhak. Yitzhak, the man who went, who was brought on the on the on the Akeda, was brought as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. Who's blinded by the tears of the angels, and 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 he's he appreciates his son because of the food that he provides for him. Anyway, the words are incorrect. It doesn't say kitzayit basar bishvila. He says kitzayit befiv. He hunted him in his mouth. That means there was a certain inner dimension. What is hunting? How, do, how does one hunt? It's done by stalking and by hiding, by, by going through the through the hidden dimensions, by going through the ins and the outs and figuring things out. Kitzayit befiv means that the Torah that Esav learned was the Torah that is not revealed. It's the Torah that is the Torah of stealth, or the Torah of Torah Shaval Peh. Yitzchak appreciated Esau because Esau had a mastery over Torah Shaval Peh. Now, Esau, as you know, didn't end up becoming one of the progenitors of the Jewish people. Where did, where did the Torah of Esau come back into the Jewish people? The father of Rabbi Akiva was a ger. Was a ger tzedek. father, even though Rabbi Kiva was descended from Esav, but his father was a convert, and that brought back the Torah of Esav back into Klal back into now. Whether it was completely absent or not, when we learn, Parshas told us together. We'll see how Yitzchak uh, understood that that would be compensated even without that. But but the reality is, is Rabbi Akiva is a descendant of Esav, a descendant of Esav because Kitzay was the descendant of with the Masorah of Torah Shabbat. Rabbi Akiva is through whom Torah Shabbat. That means there's an inherent connection here between Rabbi Akiva and Shevet Shimon. Shevet Shimon are the masters, they're, they're the masters of, of Shmiah, of hearing, of teaching the Torah, of Shmiah, teaching the Torah of Torah Shabal Peh, of he, teaching the inner, hidden, the inner deeper wisdom. That's, the, that's who Shimon is, as we said back in the time in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu. And now, going forward, many, many generations, who's the, who's the teacher of Torah Shabal Peh for all future generations? Rabbi Akiva. If Rabbi Akiva is the teacher of Torah Shabal Peh, then, the, then whatever mistake... Shevet Shimon made way back then 
in their t- learning of Torah Shabbat that they didn't know this halacha of Kanoim Pogimboy, which Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the master of Torah Shabbat doesn't teach to Pinchas. He forgets it, so to speak. He's not, he's, it, it's not clear to him, and Pinchas has to reveal it to him. The Torah Shabbat aspect is that's not Moshe Rabbeinu, that's Shimon, and Pinchas brings it out. But that's, that's the Torah. So somehow Shevet Shimon failed in their teaching or in their guarding of because they were protecting Zimri at that time. The rest of Shevet Shimon was protecting Zimri at that time when he was doing that terrible sin. And they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, which is to teach the halacha of Torah Shabbat Peh. So whatever flaw that they brought into Klaisal, those 24,000 people that died at that time, now is the time to fix it. And when? To the student of Rabbi Akiva, the students of Rabbi Akiva, the students of the master of Torah Shabbat Peh, now have to fix that out. What is it they're supposed to fix? They're supposed to fix how you bring out the inner dimension of Torah with your partner, with somebody else, because it brings out another level, another layer of what Torah is, because Torah that's studied alone, the Gemara Brachas tells us very clearly, Bad Bad if you sit on your own, it's, dist- it's a destructive force. Torah learned on your own is destructive. Torah has to be learned in pairs. Torah has to be learned with somebody else. Torah, somebody else has to bring out the inner dimension of what you're saying, so that when you express yourself... With what, with what you've built inside, it gets expressed outwardly, not fully outwardly, not everything that you have that comes out of you. There's always going to be more inside, but that's going to reveal that there's a greater depth to what's going on, but you have to bring out the chaf beiz vav dalad, the kavod of somebody else. And that's al-shelonogu kavod zubazu, the talmidei rebbe kiva, didn't bring out the kavod of one another, so they died in this time. And the only time, when does that stop? When, and that, that takes place in this very risky time period, in this time of formation, just like a pregnancy is a time when you have to be guarded and be very careful for the health of the fetus and for the health of the unborn child because they're at great risk at that time. In these Lamed Beis Yom, in these first 32 days between Pesach and Shavuos, when we're building up to the concept of Torah, when we're building up to Matan Torah, every day of the 49 days is another piece in the puzzle. It's another addition to the greater whole of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to, the level that we're supposed to be on when we'll receive the Torah at Sinai, when we go for from Pesach, leaving Mitzrayim where we don't have anything, and building ourselves up to the level of being able to be makabal the Torah, to receive the Torah at Matzah Torah, at the giving of the Torah at Sinai, how does that happen? If you build each one of those stages, and the critical time for building those, that, 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 those, those stages is in the Lamad Beis Yom, in the 32 days leading up to Sriya Sa'omer. That's the critical time. After that, it's, it's also important, but to, there it's just bringing out what's already been formed. It's the Tov. In the, in the, in the, in the, in in the in the more mystical writings, they say it like this. This is um, I'm going to quote you things that are above my pay grade, so no questions. <laughs> but they say that it's the fifth day of the fifth week. So don't ask me that we say fourth week. The fifth, the fourth week is the fifth week. You understand that? We uh, we count the weeks at the end of the week. So to, tomorrow, to last night, we counted 33. We counted it is that is four weeks and five days. That means it's four completed weeks plus five days, which means it's the fifth day of the fifth week. Are you with me on that? Mm-hmm. That's that one. That's that's just mathematics, mm-hmm. right? There's the fifth, the fifth day of the fifth week. The fifth of the fifth, the fifth dimension represents represents the 
the left kidney represents the completion of the entire seed, which is that you start with the right side is chesed, and then the left side is kavura, and then emes comes to and, and binds them together. Those are, that's, that's the first three dimensions. The next three roles are the, the, the right kidney is, 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 is on the fourth, and the fifth is, is, is the left kidney. The right kidney is the beginning of the seed. The left kidney is the completion of the seed. The sixth is the bringing together the implantation of the seed so that it comes out complete. And the seventh is when you come out with something new when you have another child, when there's, another, when there's a new dimension that's added. All right, that's, that's over our pay grade, but just to understand that these things are all connected to, to, to that reality of completing our rea- of what we're supposed to do. So what are, what, is the, what are we supposed to take out of that? Where are we supposed to go with the What was it that, that Rabbi Kivitz Talminim failed in? They failed to bring out the 22 letters with the, in the 10 implementations, which is to see in the inner dimension of another person not to expose their inner, not that somebody exposed their in, their insides on the outside, which would be just the death of it, but it's to expose their inside on the outside in, in such a way so that you recognize that what this person has, there's so much more behind that. Of course, that's the yesod, that's the so behind the whole I- I- idea of tznius, of, 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 of modesty, of the, the whole concept of, of covering something over in order to reveal something that's greater, something in order to reveal, uh, reveal a greater depth to what, to what it is, that's always that, that's always that's the that's the innermost dimension of, of what we talk about in terms of uh, of of how covet is ultimately expressed. That's why the expression for Tsnius is called Kavuda Basmelch Pnima. The honor of the princess is on the inside. The which would what is, how do we refer to honor? The the kavod of the princess is on the inside. The kavod is that it's that the inner dimension that says there's much more to me than what you see here on the outside. There's a whole nother layer. There's a not a there's a whole nother being. There's a whole nother essence that transcends everything that you see on the outside. As much as what you see on the outside is what it's supposed to be, and it's as beautiful as it is supposed to be. But it's only a revelation of greater depth inside. I'm not simply expressing myself outwardly of how you see me or how I express myself, whether it's through my actions, through the way I dress, through the way I appear, the way I draw attention to myself. Do I draw attention to the outer me or do I draw the attention to the inner side of me, the inner dimension of what I am and the inner dimension of what I'm supposed to trying to what I'm supposed to trying to what I'm supposed to trying to express. I think that the message of Lagba Omer and it's true for going forward into the into the next into the coming weeks and sp- specifically into going into Kabbalah Satara is that we have to learn how to express outwardly without exposing the inner self. You know, there's, there's, there's a possibility for a person to express themselves outwardly in a way that shows or leads or, uh, or attracts people because they see that there's an inner essence of something that is much more special and that's much more, that has much more to it, that there's a tremendous depth to what, to what, to what you're sharing. It's not, not all worn on my sleeve. I'm not all trumpeting to the whole world the chesed that I do and I'm not trumpeting to the whole world the, the, how much Torah that I learned. I once heard that the altar from Slabatka, the altar from Slabatka, his name was uh, his name his name his name was um, I'll think of it in one second the same as the Rashiva in, uh, of the mirror that was just Nifter um, uh, um, Nassim Svifinkel 
right? He's also from Torah. His name is Reb Nassim Finkel. Is probably the father of all of Torah in America. Most of Torah that there is in America today, certainly in the non in the non Hasidic world, or many many as I just mentioned recently, so a group of people. There's the the many most of the yeshivos in America were founded by students of Reb Alzheimer Slabatka, whether it's Reb Aaron Kotler, Reb Yaakov Kamenetsky, Reb Ruderman, Reb Hutner, Reb Hanach Leibowitz, which, which those, that, those names that I just listed off to you constitute Lakewood, Philadelphia, Torvadas, Chaim Berlin, Chafetz Chaim. These are all the biggest yeshivas in America today. They're all, all, of, the, all of Torah, they're all students of, of, of Reb Nassim Tzvi Finkel. They say that Reb Nassim Tzvi Finkel, you would, if you walked in to see him or to speak to him, you would never see him studying Gemara. You never saw him with a safer open in front of him. You never. The, the point. What, why? What, what does that mean? Why? why does, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they shouldn't lead by example? No, everybody knew that he was. He was saturated with Torah. He was Torah. He was a walking expression of Torah. I don't have to show you that I'm a big masmid. I don't have to show you that I'm a, that I'm a dedicated scholar and I spend every spare minute that I have learning. I don't have to show that off to you. I have to manifest that externally so that you see that in what I do and in the way I act and the way I behave so that you are attracted to me so that everything that I do, that what I, but what I do internally, the, what I do for myself, those are, that's for me. It doesn't have to be shown to the whole world. We have to learn how to express ourselves in a way that leads by example, that attracts people to us so that they see, they're not attracted to what they see on the outside. They're not just attracted to, the, to what's a show and what's, whatever, whatever you can see, the chesed or whatever, whatever it happens to be. They, they, they sense within us an, in, an internal strength, an internal drive to do these things that are right and that are, and that are good. That's what we're striving for. That's what it means to bring out somebody else's cover. That's the an expression of kavod is an expression of an outer dimension of something that glows, that has an aura to it. That, but it does it without showing the light. The light is inside, and the light. But people sense that the light is there. That's the avoda that we have to work on. So, so how do we bring out, express ourselves without trumpeting who we are? We don't have, and I believe that that's by leading by example, by doing the right things, by by letting people see the things that are. Good for them, not for me. When I do things that are for other people, when I'm when I when I when I when I we spoke about this in terms of giving. When I'm as a, when I can be a giver who's not a taker. When I can be a giver, a person who's externally what I, what I'm offering to somebody else is what they need, not what I need. Because when it's about what I need, then I'm really showing off my inner self. But when I'm giving them what they need, then I'm only showing them that the aura that is what what's inside of me that shows that I have a certain generosity of spirit or a certain internal flame, a certain something that people then can be attracted to that and that can help people to grow and to express themselves properly when we receive the Torah when we're able to at Matzah Torah. Okay. All right. yeah. So enjoy the rest of Sphere. Thank you.